What's going on, guys? It is JR with JR Off Air. It'd be a little weird if it was somebody else with JR Off Air. But anyway, uh, today's guest is super cool. I'm very excited for you guys to get to know her and get to meet her. Uh, she is a TV host. She is a spokesperson. She is a professional wakeboarder, and she is a cancer survivor. Her story is pretty incredible. Uh, if you're a Vikings fan, you're really going to like her. Uh, but she is very cool, very down to earth, and I'm kind of fascinated by her whole entire career. I'm going to let her tell you about it. Her name is Alexa Score, and she is on JR Off Air. Uh, joined today by Alexa Score. Good morning. How are you? Doing well. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I am excited to have you on. I'm kind of fascinated by your career and your life story and everything like that. So, First, let's start from the get-go. Where are you from? Born and raised. Talk to me about that. Loaded question, but uh, born and raised in Spicer, Minnesota. It's a small town, 100 miles west of Minneapolis, kind of in the middle of nowhere, 1,000 people. Um, grew up on a beautiful lake out there. It's kind of a little resort town, hidden gem. So fell in love with the water at a very young age, no matter what it was, fishing, water skiing, just floating. It didn't really matter. Um, I mean, honestly, just right. as a fish, right. but as you know, our summers are pretty short being only three months long. So our time on the water was sparse. Yeah. And, uh, so went to a small high school, was a gymnast, um, at 16 was diagnosed with leukemia. So, um, battled that went through some really weird times, um, with that. What, and then just, what were the early signs of that? Like, when did you figure like, okay, there's something going on here. So I had been having bone pain okay. for months and I grew up with just my dad. It was just he and I in the small town and he's a hard ass and not, not the most sympathetic father okay. figure. Kind of toughen uh, it up type thing. Yeah. So I had told him express many times that I was in a lot of pain, right. um, to which he was like, yeah, we'll wait it out. You know, we'll yeah. wait going to the doctor's too much work. Didn't want to pay for it. It's like, we'll just wait it out. We'll wait it out. We'll wait it out. So it was the bone pain that had been going on for probably like six months. Um, that was my first and pretty much only symptom that I can remember. I don't remember being fatigued. Um, besides because of the pain being right. kind of out of it. Um, then I ended up having a little accident where I hit my head and I got 11 stitches in my forehead. And, uh, my mom who had been begging me to go to the doctor was came with me when I got my stitches out and she like basically begged the emergency room doctor just to do a blood panel. Okay. And like, he really didn't want to, he was just like, like he, he checked, I told him about my bone pain. He's like, you're having muscle spasms. That's just all of it. Mm -hmm. And she's like, please just do, please just do a blood panel. Like this isn't hard, you know, just cover our bases. And sure enough, my white blood cell count was through the roof. Um, and then from there it was just a bunch of different testing and going to different doctors and figuring it out. Did that seem real to you when you found out about that? Or was that kind of one of those things like, wait, what do you mean? I have leukemia totally real. Cause I was like, <laughs> I've known something was so wrong yeah. for a long time. And I mean, leukemia is very intense. It's a very, you know, and so I don't mean to, that might be a little facetious of me to say, and I don't mean to like put down how severe it is. Mm -hmm. Um, because certainly when they tell you, you know, they sit you down and they tell you, you have leukemia, it's a very intense moment. And you know, your head goes as a 16 year old, you only know so much right. about those types of things. And so your head goes to your first, um, you know, memory or what you have, you know, your knowledge of it. And for me, that was like pennies for patients, bald kids, like right. kids without hair and kids dying and the stuff that, you know, the charity stuff that you did in school. So St. Jude that, type stuff. Yeah, totally. Gotcha. Um, which is accurate. So, I mean, it was certainly intense, but I had known mm. for so long that I was sick. It was kind of this like 
see you guys. <laughs> oh man. I wasn't lying, you know, like that kind of moment. And also a relief, like, okay, now we can make progress. Now we can do something about this versus like just not knowing what it is. And then you can't do anything about it. Wow. I mean, that's, I, I just, you know, I think about being 16 and trying to figure out myself in general. And then you have something that's like just insane that happens to you like that, where you, you there's a lot of uncertainty in life really when it yeah. comes to that. Oh, totally. So when you were at yeah. 16, I know procedures have changed so much. Like what was the plan of attack when you were 16, when it came to you having leukemia? Like what was. So for this type of leukemia, um, average age of diagnosis is 65 years old. So when doctors diagnose this, their goal generally is to keep people alive for 10 years because people living to 75 is pretty good mm. for me at 16. It was really weird that I had this kind of leukemia. Um, they obviously wanted me to live longer than 10 years yeah. at the time. The basically the only treatment was bone marrow transplant, which at that time, you know, 15 years ago was pretty dangerous still. And it, may or may not work, but it actually would cure you of your leukemia and just leave you with a number of other not so fun diseases Okay. because of this procedure. And if you survived the procedure at all, um, and I just so happened to be incredibly lucky to have went to this doctor who knew of this relatively experimental drug called Gleevec that treated just my kind of leukemia. Um, and he thought, you know, this is worth a shot because if you can avoid transplant, we want to do that. Even if this drug just buys you some time until something else is developed. Um, and I ended up going on this medication, getting super sick, so sick that they thought the medication was going to kill me, but we stuck with it. Just, I mean, there were a couple weeks where it was like every day, do we stop it? Do we keep going? Do we stop? And we just kept going long enough where my side effects slowly lessened and lessened. And, um, I'm still on that medication 15 years later. So what's it, is that something that your are, body gets used to, or is it still wear you down big time or you get sick on it? Or like, how does that work? I excuse my ignorance um, on it, but no, I mean, I would never expect anyone to know. Um, it's a little of everything you just said. So initially I got crazy sick because it was working so fast. Mm -hmm. So it was getting rid of the cancer right. so fast. And so I've got all this junk, right? Like my body's in overdrive. It's working really hard, killing cancer. And then I've got all this junk in my blood and whatever. And plus then the side effects of this oral chemotherapy, which is pretty intense. Um, so getting all my accounts, my white blood cell count, you know, dropping from astronomical levels to normal made me very sick. Once all of that stabilized, the cancer count stabilized. Um, then I still had those really severe medic or those severe side effects every day from the medication. Those over years time lessened. I still have some really annoying side effects like, um, you know, water retention, puffy eyes. I have, um, vitiligo around my eyes, which is like just loss of pigment. Um, some really minor bone pain here and there, uh, fatigue. Yes. And then I take an anti-nausea medication with the medication right. you know, so I can keep it down. But I mean, for the most part, they're just like annoying little yeah. side effects, but it's a pretty small price to pay. You know, um, I take a pill and live. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. And you know, what's funny, um, is, I, I can't obviously relate to having cancer, but I've had a numerous head injuries through sports and, you know, knock myself out, wakeboarding, snowboarding on a motorcycle, mm -hmm. like on and on and on. And it was kind of experimental. For, and once again, I want to say, this is not the same as leukemia. I'm just giving you uh, what you just yeah, said no. right there. What you just yeah. said right there is it's annoying. Like I take medication every day to help boost the side of my brain that has been damaged and might cause anxiety or like the way they explained it to me was, you're going to take, and this is when it was experimental too, before NFL mm -hmm. players started going and talking about CTE and all that. It was all before that. Gotcha. I was, okay. I was going to a cognitive therapist and he was like, Hey man, just have a stiff drink. You'll be fine. Like, why do you have anxiety? And I was like, no, you don't understand. This is kind of an out of body experience for me. Yeah. This is not something that you can manage. Right. Yeah. Just talking yourself out of it. It's a chemical imbalance or an actual physical yeah. injury. Yeah. And I'm like, 
like you, I'm in media and I'll talk in front of 50,000 people and I'll feel right at home. But for whatever reason, I'm getting anxiety about just being in a classroom, you know, or whatever, because what if I get sick? What if people notice me? What Then it's kind of like, I don't get to be the JR that I want to be. So anyway, going back sure. to this experimental thing is I remember them saying to me like, Hey, you're going to go get a brain scan. You're going to do a thermal scan. This is now kind of like common practice, but you know, even the doctors were like, well, this is kind of a theory, but I went to this place called Amen Clinic. And what they saw was they saw that the part of your brain that is supposed to say, okay, you get anxiety or you get depression. The, the other part of your brain goes, now you're going to be fine. The balances out that part of the brain that balances out for me was underperforming. And you can actually see it, yes. a thermal, like wow. the side of your brain. that's like, like trying to like scare you. It's running like white hot. Like you can see it in the thermal. It's pretty wild. And now they see it a lot with football players. But the thing that I was like, man, I don't want to take medication. I mean, this is, I've never done that. I mean, I barely take Tylenol for crying out loud. Yeah. Yeah, and so, same. and I've never had any worries and been carefree and, you know, it's, uh, always been like kind of a send it type of guy and way, the way they explained it to me is what you just said, which makes so much sense that he goes, Hey, listen, this is like, my doctor was like, I have diabetes. It sucks to prick my finger every single day, but I'd rather live, you know what right. I'm saying? And right. so I, I, that really, because, you know, thinking about the, you know, you having leukemia or, you know, what someone having a sickness is. I love that you say I live with cancer and living with cancer. I think it's on your Instagram um, profile. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's really cool because people don't understand, like once you get down with the treatment, you're still living with the situation. And yeah. like you said, meds for the rest of your life. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I mean, meds for the rest of my life, you know, what, how's that going to affect the rest of my life? And it basically came down to it's annoying, but I'd rather live. And I'd rather be able for me, I'd rather be able to be able to be places go places and not have you yeah. know, anxiety meltdowns and whatnot. But I really like the way you put that because that's something that really helped me get through those times of like, well, this is my life now and it's altering. Right. It's, it's life, you know? Right. Yeah. I think that is the hardest part or one of the most difficult parts of having like a chronic condition, which I would consider yours a chronic condition um, is coming to terms with the fact that this is going to be for literally the rest right. of your life. Yeah. And so for me diagnosed at 16, um, I was, I really like goals and then meeting them and moving on. I was like my math, math brain, right. you know, there's one answer and find the solution and it's yeah. done. And so for this to be like open-ended, okay, well, you're going to have this medication and it's just hopefully going to keep it at a controlled level for, you know, hopefully five to 10, 15 years, but there's, you're never going to like meet the goal. You're never mm. going to be cancer free. Yeah. That, that was like, Oh, like, yeah. but I just want to get there. Right. <laughs> you know, it's right. like, no, this is just how it's going to be. And I think it's, um, you're much better off and it's not like you're settling, but when you understand that you can have a high quality of life while living with a chronic, you know, mm. condition, um, that's when you're kind of free. Like, yeah, this is my life. This yeah. is what I'm going to do every single day. So how do I make the best of this situation? Well, let's talk about how you made the best of the situation. Cause you're kind of a badass, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I only know you through Instagram, but I've just said to, I've kind of looked up on some stories on you. I was going to do some research for this. You side, you decide, Hey, you know, I love wakeboarding. I want to try to go pro. What, when does this, how old are you? How far after being diagnosed do you make the move to Orlando? So I, for, and for people reason, listening, for people listening, that's the Mecca of wakeboarding right. at the time. I had parks Bonifay was on my podcast a few weeks ago. I've gotten to know him over the years. Oh, yay. So yeah, anyway, I just talked to parks a couple days ago when I was in, in Florida. Love yeah. him. Um, so for whatever reason, I absolutely fall in love with wakeboarding when I'm like 12, 13, 14, I was a show skier. So I did like all the crazy carny stuff on the water, the pyramids, swivel skiing, jumping yeah. barefoot, I, all that stuff. Are you and but, Parks are very alike in that then. It, yes, exactly. That's pretty cool. I like that. Exactly. We are uh, doubles partners okay. in show skiing. We're, we're going to make our big debut here one of these years. Um, but I fell in love with wakeboarding. It kind of encompassed all the things that I was into, gymnastics, water sports. I was kind of a tomboy. And so I was like... 14, 15. I'm like, I want to be a professional wakeboarder. And I really had no idea what that meant. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just knew that's what I wanted to yeah. do. And so 
before I was diagnosed, I came up with this idea. Okay. I'll graduate high school early and I'll move to Orlando, the Mecca of wakeboarding, the wakeboarding industry. And no one in my small little high school had ever graduated early. Mm. I think it's kind of a common thing now with online classes and that type of thing, but it just didn't really exist then. So, um, I had talked about it and it was kind of this like fantasy, but when I was diagnosed and this can sound awful, I kind of got this, like, no one can say no to me. Cause I'm uh, okay. cancer girl. <laughs> so here's, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to graduate high school early. And I walked in the principal's office and I told him what I wanted to do. And he's like, no one's ever done this before. And right. I was like, but we'll figure it out. And so, um, he did, he figured it out. And, uh, I had like a English teacher who, like doubled my workload. So enabled me to do a year's school in half the amount of time. And, you know, some other teachers helping me out and we kind of got creative. And so I graduated high school early and this is like six months after I had started feeling better. So it was like, I started feeling better and like Orlando vision. Um, so when I was 17, my sister, my older sister, Tiff was 26 and she didn't, she hadn't really no ties to Minnesota. It wasn't like lockdown. She's like, I'll move to Orlando with you. So we just like got in the car and started driving and we didn't wow. know where we were going to live. That's epic. <laughs> we, I love this. Yeah. We just like, didn't know anyone in Orlando. Um, we just knew Disney world and, was there. <laughs> we just yeah, knew Disney exactly. world and wakeboarding. Yeah. Yeah. So we just kind of like couch surf for a while and met people and, you know, I was, didn't know anyone with a boat. So I was wakeboarding at the cable park, um, and meeting a ton of people there and slowly just like built a network. Uh, and you know, that grew over time. And I, I had, um, a number of moments with wakeboarding. I mean, there was like a full year where I had quit and like given up on the dream when I was like, when I was 19, uh, mainly because I didn't grow up like competing and I saw how far I'd like advanced, you know, how good yeah. these chicks were at wakeboarding and they had been doing it and competing since they were 12, 13. I mean, pretty much are everyone you, on the pro tour. A lot of people won't know what I'm talking about, but were you in the, like the Dallas Friday era or she younger, older? What? So Dallas did not, it's weird. Dallas stopped competing right before I started competing on the pro tour. And then she kind of came back right after I stopped competing. Okay, gotcha. So we're, we never really rode together. It's funny when I was down in Orlando last, just this past weekend, um, I ran into Dallas and she's like, let's, let's wakeboard. I'm like, right. I've never, I'm like, Dallas, you and I have never actually wakeboarded together. She's like, I know it's so weird. So she was like prior to me, but she was someone that I always like obviously she was the goat. Right. And so it was like, you know, she was my idol. Yeah. And then I started wakeboarding and she, you know, she had a couple kids and was just taking a break, yeah. um, at the time. Still a stud, so, by but the then way. She got, yeah, Still then a she stud. got back into it afterwards yeah. and it was like, nothing had changed. Um, so yeah, there were some times when I was certainly discouraged and wakeboarding and, and knew that I didn't have the experience, not to mention when I moved to Orlando, gas was $5 a gallon. It was like, really? I didn't have money to train. Yeah. It was insane. 2008. It was just crazy. Um, so like riding, I got really good at riding a cable, mm. but at that time, cable stuff wasn't as big. So wasn't it was at all. Like, yeah. yeah. So it was, um, it was kind of, it was interesting, but then I, you know, gained some confidence and just kind of through mentorship realized like I didn't have to win. Like I didn't have to win every contest to be a successful person in the wakeboarding industry. And that's where I kind of found my role and my, my, you know, where I belonged in the space yeah. was, you know, this advocate. I was the person they called when they needed someone to do stunts in a movie or, you yeah. know, video shoots, photo shoots, this different, like creative stuff. I was more of a personality. Mind you, still competing, um, but not winning contests. <laughs> what did it pop for you in Orlando where you, you said, Oh my gosh, I can actually make a living at this. I can get sponsors and all that. Like, what was the defining moment on that? Was it just a connection I you think, made or. I think it was, I started working for the pro tour. So I was like, okay, how do I get close to this? Right. Smart. Like it was just, 
Um, so I started working for the pro tour and then asked my bosses if I could compete in the amateur division at nationals and worlds. Um, there was not an amateur division on the pro tour, but those were part of the circuit. So they're like, sure, whatever. Um, so I won the amateur women's national nice. title and then I got second at worlds. And that's when I was like, okay, maybe I can like do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was already sponsored by liquid force. Um, and so then the following year on my 21st birthday, I competed in my first pro contest oh, wow. and then got picked up by spy, um, and was working with a couple other like smaller brands, but, um, it was probably winning the, the nationals in the amateur women's division. I love it. I think that's so cool. Yeah. I, I'm such a nerd when it comes I, and people listening to this podcast, I, we've had all kinds of people on here, but the, uh, the wakeboarding stuff I get, I dive into it so much. And I, I have to tell you a funny story. Cause I remember, um, I was, do you remember, do you know, Cowboys Orlando, the bar there? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you have like burn your clothes <laughs> when you leave there. Um, so yeah. I lived so, on clear Lake. So, oh, okay. I got you. So I, I worked for, a couple times, but. I worked for K92.3, the country station in Orlando. This is 2014, mm-hmm. I think. 2014, I moved from San Diego there, took a job. It's a good opportunity. So I hosted two nights uh, a week at Cowboys. Well, one day I'm sitting in there and all I know about wakeboarding and professionals is what I've seen in, you know, uh, the butter effect and videos like that, that were just like yep. iconic. And we would watch them as we were going out to park Arizona to play on the river for the weekend and be like, man, that'd be so cool if we could do a Rayleigh or whatever. And like, we were even close. Superman. Like, yeah, we were horrible. Uh, so anyway, we were like, let's do it. And so, um, I'm sitting there and I'm hosting and I look over and I see the guy from every video I've ever seen ever <laughs> parks, Boniface. Parks. Yeah. and I go, I go, there's no way. And so I walk up to him and I go, what's up, dude. And uh, I said, I'm JR, I'm hosting. He's like, oh, you work for K923? That's so cool, man. And like had this weird connection where he's like, yeah, I've heard you before. And that was kind of a, not a starstruck moment, but like, oh, cool. I can actually talk to this guy. Like he's not just right. in a video type of thing. Right. Um, like he's and, approachable. and yeah, yeah. yeah. Super approachable. His girlfriend at the time was super nice too. And uh, um, so we got to talking or whatever. I was like, man, you know, let me know. If, you know, I, I don't have a boat out here, but let me know if you, you know, if you ever need a guy to bring some gas cans out with you or whatever. So I end up going out with him and Danny Harf. And so I'm like, now another is, legend. I was like, yeah, I go, now this is getting weird. And so we go on their <laughs> boat and Danny's like, Hey, I'm going to do a couple runs. I don't know if he had a contest coming up or a shoot or something like that. They were going to do, but he's like, Hey, I'm going to do a couple of runs and then, uh, you know, white's glassy and then you can go. I'm like, yeah, sweet. He goes and we know him as a legend. It's just like, oh, I mean, all these tricks that he's doing, I like never even seen it. And when you see this stuff in person, you're like, this is insane. Yeah. Um, And uh, I go, you know what? I'm not going to wakeboard today. I think I'm going to sit this one out. Uh, Classic. Let's go ahead and uh, get the uh, the wake surfers out and we'll roll that because I'm definitely not going after that guy. And I just remember being on the boat with those two guys and them them being so cool. And then my, my repay to them was like, I'll take you guys to all the country concerts. We'll go to all right. that stuff. So that was like our little yes. give and take, but such cool dudes and such a cool, I wish I lived in that area when wakeboarding was blowing up so much. Cause it sounds like a really cool era and really cool place to be during that time. Because all I had is, is exposure was X games. You know um, you'd see it on ESPN on the weekends sometimes. And it was uh, always the boats you dreamed of having, the, the tricks you wish you could do the boards, the gear and all that stuff. And that lifestyle, yeah. it just was really cool. And, uh, I love hearing it from a, a female perspective too, of, of doing that because I really only know the male side of it, but now seeing, I mean, people like Ashley kid who crush it on wake servers. And, you know, I mean, it's insane. I remember seeing her on the lake in Lake Austin. My folks live in Austin. So seeing her on Austin, I'm like, Ashley kid, what's up? You know, probably, yeah. Hey, weird guy. Number 1000. That's come up to me on the, on the lake today. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it was just, I don't know. I just think that lifestyle is so cool. And, um, I know there's challenges with it, but again, going back to living with cancer, think about, you know, chasing a dream like that, you know, who knows if you would have been that fearless, you know, without this diagnosis, you know, I mean, do you ever think about it that way? Yeah, I get that. I mean, I get that question all the time. Okay, you know, we, we like, can skip over it, it then. No, no, it's a, but it's no, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying it's like it's a, something I have to think about, right? Right? Like, um, and it's a totally valid question, but um, I think people are surprised when I answer. Like, I was pretty like intense before before my diagnosis, <laughs> right. and I think 
that intensity and that like hunger and passion is actually what allowed me to succeed through my diagnosis and you know, it ongoing versus like diagnosed, got passionate, you know, perspective changed and then succeeded. Mm. I think, you know, there's certainly, there's no way that facing death at 16 and, and I got really, really sick, you know, for a number of months, it was pretty hairy there. Um, there's no way that that doesn't change your perspective, but I was, you know, a pretty zesty child and human before that. So I don't know how it would have, you know, how it would have panned out. We never know what the difference is, but I know that, you know, it did enable me to say, well, we don't know how long I'm going to live. So I'm going to move to Orlando. Well, we, we just don't know. And so I've got to go for it. Um, so whether I would have done that or not, I don't know. Um, but I know that, you know, the way I was before that definitely helped me get through that yeah. time. That's a good way to put it. I mean, thinking about you being zesty as a kid probably gave you like a lot of strength to get through the treatments and all that. Yes. That, I love that. I love that. Um, exactly. So let's go down the list of your resume here. Then you, uh, we'll go one more wakeboarding question. Then you're in, um, was it Wake Brothers, the MTV show? Oh, yeah. Tell oh, me yeah. this because these guys, that's that show it was addicting and uh, ridiculous at the same time. So ridiculous. So how do you come about uh, that? You're just buddies with these guys and they're like, hey, we need you to to shoot? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I was friends with Bob and Phil uh, yeah. for a number of years, but then I got asked to be on the show and then Bob and I start dating before we start filming. So oh. like, you're going to be a character on the show. Bob and I start dating and then they're like, Oh, you're going to be on the show last now. <laughs> really? We don't want, we, yeah. Cause we don't want Bob to have a girlfriend on the show. Oh, gotcha. So it wasn't until like episode six where Bob and I had our first date gotcha. and our first kiss. Um, so it was kind of a weird scenario. Oh, Hollywood. I know. Right. Love it. Um, but I mean, it was a wild experience for sure. I bet. Uh, and I don't think anyone, no one wanted to do a season two. So that didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> but it was interesting to say the least. Absolutely. A lot of dynamics with those two brothers. Bob Sovin, your ex. Unbelievable. Yeah. I did not see that coming, but he sounds like a very, very uh, charismatic guy for sure. Oh, he is. He's a great dude. We're still friends. So yeah, no, he's a ton of fun. So when do you come into the hosting uh, realm of things? You know, uh, what would your job title be with the Vikings? Uh, person per, on air personality. Okay. So are you, are you um, doing things on camera in the studio as far as like on the jumbotron or are you doing stuff for their social media platforms or everything? So pre COVID for two seasons, I, they had just built a new training facility, uh, including this state of the art studio. It's beautiful. So, um, Vikings entertainment network operates out of there. It's just a wing of the Vikings or a a branch of the Vikings that does all of their media. So prior to COVID for two seasons, I was in that studio hosting content. And then I had, um, content that aired in stadium on game days and then content that went on social media now because of COVID, um, I'm not a full-time Vikings employee. So I do not go in that facility Uh, A lot of people that even work for the Vikings do not go into the practice facility. So I'm just on the field for home games, um, creating content for their social media and Vikings.com. Yeah. Your reel is fantastic. I like how the way it opens as they're scoring a touchdown behind you too. I was watching that (laughs) very well done. Very well done. Yeah. Sometimes you luck out, you know? Oh man. I remember doing a broadcast at a horse track in Del Mar and I was on the air and the horse I love that I, the track at Del Mar. Yeah. By the, way. the horse that I bet on was I was doing like a break over like some, uh, I don't know, plain white tea song or something like that, you know, just whatever. Like, Hey, here's this song coming up. And I see my horse coming as it's happening. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. We got yeah. to, I'm about to win some money. Uh, yeah. my, bo- my boss was like, dude, you got to like sign off before you start talking about betting and all this stuff. But I was like, Hey, come on. Makes good it, things are- it was good. Yeah. I won. Um, yeah. So, and as far as, uh, how do you team up with Polaris then? So, um, I, 
By the way, you have all the cool brands, by the way. I'm a little jealous. You have all the cool brands that you're with. It's a little ridiculous. I get to do a lot of really cool stuff. Um, When I moved back from Orlando, I never thought I was going to move back to Minnesota, but I had, you know, decided, okay, I'm I'm ready to be done wakeboarding. And I want to try to get into the TV space. If I don't try now, I'll beat myself up for not trying. Um, And so after sending emails, sending letters, making calls to everyone and anyone in the television space for two years. In one week, I had an outdoors production company from Minneapolis call and the Vikings, Minnesota Vikings call. Wow. Um, in the same week. So it was super ironic. And they both go, Hey, we have part-time jobs, not full-time. Let us know if you, you'd ever be interested in moving back to Minnesota. And so, I mean, when the Vikings called generally, uh, answer the phone and you make it happen. So that's what I did. I moved back to Minnesota, started working for the Vikings, started hosting a show called made for the outdoors. Um, and then for that same production company, they needed a new female host for their show called destination Polaris. So that's what you're referring to. So I, we contract and work with Polaris marketing team to create this show. And we just get to off-road and ride side-by-sides all over the world. Right. Um, it's a blast. I what's, mean, trust me, it's go ahead. long days, but it's super long days. And I mean, the on-camera stuff is about 10% of what actually goes on into the production and the post-production. Um, but it's, it's a blast. Where is a era area in the world that you were like, I can't believe I'm off-roading in this place. Is there something that sticks out to you? Oh, I mean, there have been just so many beautiful places. I just got back from a trip to Maine. I'd never been upstate in Maine and that was just spectacular. Um, I loved riding in Southwest Oregon. So in Coos Bay, there Mm -hmm. are sand dunes. You can actually, one of the only places in the, or in America where you can ride right on the beach. Okay. Um, and it's kind of like dunes on the beach, but then there are these like little patches of like rainforest, like literally like little patches of trees. And then you just bust around in the sand. It's very cool. Um, I mean, there are just countless cool spots. And and the cool thing about riding side by sides is those get you places that you can't get otherwise. Yeah. That they're, they're a lot of fun. I've, I grew up going to Glamis and places like that. Oh, right on. Like yeah. That. So, so that's, absolutely. I mean, that's Mecca right. of the side-by-side world. Yeah. yeah. It's wild for sure. Um, so give me, all right. How about this? What, what's been your roughest shoot? Like where you're like, man, I don't know how we're getting, this is like getting a little hairy. Oh, well, I can't divulge all the details, but oh, okay. it was actually South of Glamis. Um, it was in Ocotillo Wells, Wells. so so we did a day's shoot in Ocotillo Wells, and then we went south, um, and did a shoot just south of Ocotillo Wells. And one thing after another went wrong. Um, and generally it's like, we just get her done, but this was like, it was just bad. Like it was really, (laughs) really bad. And I'll just, I'll put it this way. So like, we get done with day two, which day one was awful. Day two was awful. And by, and by, for no reason, like not because we didn't do our jobs or the mm. people we were with didn't do their jobs, just bad luck. Um, and we're driving up from like near the border and we're driving through, um, me and the two photographers and all of our gear, we're in a minivan. We're driving through the, um, whatever border patrol station. We weren't yeah. across the border, but it's, you know, I know it's a at, few yeah. miles from the border and we're driving through and they stop us. And we're just like, you have to be kidding. And they're like, we're in a rental minivan. They're like, this minivan has been flagged for drug trafficking. Oh my God. <laughs> and so we're just like, after like the worst two days that we've ever had and like very stressful, we're just like, of course, here we are. Um, which didn't end up being anything. I mean, they knew it wasn't us. It was a previous. So you got you know, away with group. your drugs. You got away with yeah, your drugs. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> we smuggled the drugs in and everything's yeah. fine. Um, no, so it was, that was definitely the worst. It, it mon- like monsooned while we were there. It's wild out like, there. It doesn't rain. It doesn't rain yeah. in the desert, you know, and whatever. Yeah. It was, those were just probably the two, the least of our problems, but that was just a couple of what went wrong. But yeah, other than that, I mean, we've, it's, it's side long days. 
Yeah. You know, we can always make television. Absolutely. And that's sometimes the best television when things start going a little array like that. Totally. And what I always say is like the show behind the show is always better than the real thing. Like all the stuff you can't show on TV is actually like so interesting, but you know, you know, it's funny. I, um, I, I, I totally agree with that. And one of the things I'll give you a story not to make this about me because it's about you, but the, uh, no, I love it. I was on a Nickelodeon show, um, called victorious and it was, it was basically our, so I'm 36. So it was basically our version. I would assume that you and I are similar in age, but I, um, it was our saved by the bill. And and so that was like, it was, that was kind of what it was, but they went to this musical school or whatever. And, um, so it was, this girl named Victoria justice and Ariana Grande and a couple other ones that you might know. But, um, but I remember the show was totally behind the show because it was like the best set that I've ever worked on because it was, um, first of all, they can't go past eight hours because they're kids. They're minors at the time. Uh, they have to break and they have to break every like hour and a half. I think it is because they have to do school. So we're just over at craft craft services, killing it. Me and the people that are not, uh, 18 under 18. Right. And this is like, this is like 10 years ago. Um, so, and I'm like way older than all these kids, but the funny part was I had a conversation with Ariana Grande because she was singing, um, you know, in the background, just like, you know, doing all these crazy, like Mariah Carey runs. And I remember talking to her and I'm like, so Ariana didn't know she was Ariana Grande. I just was like, Hey, Ariana. I was like, um, I said, are you going to like, do you sing too? Like, are you being a singer? She's like, nah, she's like, I don't want to be a singer. I like acting too much. And then no fast, way. fast forward five years or whatever amount of years. And she's like the biggest pop star ever. I'm like, yeah. Like I, when did she change her mind? I'm glad she did. But geez, like it was just, that was such a, like there were so many cool conversations, especially with like young actors like that. It was really cool to talk to them and see their parents like right by, I mean, the, the show definitely was beyond the show and more yeah. than anything, you know, forget the SAG card, forget my credits on IMDb. The fact that Ariana Grande told me she had no interest in singing. That was the best yeah. part of the shoot. So that's oh what I, my gosh. That's what I took away yeah. from that whole experience was like, I don't care that I'm working on sunset Boulevard. I don't care. This is Nickelodeon. <laughs> like I saw growing up. That was like probably the coolest thing uh, to see someone just be like, you're, you're, it's like, I don't know. I'd be like talking to uh, Will Ferrell and I'm saying he has no interest in acting. Like it was just right. crazy. I couldn't believe it. No, so no. Uh, seeing her, but yeah, like you said, the, the, the show is definitely behind the show for sure. Um, another thing I saw on your Instagram or real or one of the two totally stalked you. Sorry. Got to prepare. <laughs> I call it preparation. Um, so tell me, do you have any type of, uh, relationship with, um, Nick Swartzen being such a big Vikings fan? I, um, have met Nick a number of times. We have mutual friends yeah. He's a Minnesotan. He yeah. comes here often. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, I've sat at the bar with him numerous times and we obviously have, uh, linked up at the Vikings games, but I'm not I'm not close with him. We don't text each other, like right. keep in touch. Um, but a really cool dude. Yeah. I mean, seems yeah. cool. I mean, yeah, I know he's, he's kind of like turned things. I think he's kind of mellowed things out a little bit. hundred percent. But I, I bet being at a bar with him back in the day was probably pretty wild. Pretty wild. Well, I've been at a bar with him on both sides of yeah. his journey. So, right. um, very wild, uh, years ago. And then since he's kind of, uh, you know, changed his life a little bit. He mm. just seems happier, mm. healthier. Yeah. Like a, you know, not that he seemed quite unhappy or whatever. I mean, I remember the first time I saw him after he had, you know, stopped drinking or really cut back. Mm. And I was like, you look really good. Yeah. Like, and I think he was like, thanks. Like, it's nice, you know, when someone recognizes that, but I was like, dang, like, yeah, you seem good. So, yeah. um, he's a cool down to earth, fun guy. I mean, about as fun as you could be when people are running up to you every minute and a half. Oh, I mean, he just blew up for a photo or yeah. He just blew up. I mean, his story of uh, Adam Sandler seeing him as he's laying in bed, Adam Sandler's laying in bed with his wife and sees Nick Swartzen's special on comedy central and says, I got to get a hold of that guy to put him in my movies. And now he's like in every Sandler movie. I mean, I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know that. That's it. That's his, he's spoken on it a few times, but his, the story was he was doing a comedy central special and um, Adam Sandler was laying in bed with his wife, saw it and said, I really like this guy's comedy. Let's reach out. Maybe we can do some projects together. 
that's how he links up. And that's why he's with Spade and, and Rock and yeah. all those guys in all his yeah. movies. It's because he just thought he was a really funny guy. So I always think, I wonder if Sandler got to him and was like, hey, dude, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're 48 hour Vegas binges and stuff like that. That, by the way, this is what Nick has, these are stories that he's told. Um, sure. I wonder if he ever got into his ear and was like, hey, man, you kind of got a golden ticket here. Let's, yeah, you're super talented. Let's maybe tone it down a little bit. I know he had like that near death experience with drinking, but still, man, geez. Yeah. And I think he had, um, I think a big part of it was a friend of his uh, passed away. Mm. And I think that kind of, you know, changed his perspective and, and right. kind of struck a chord with him and, yeah. and changed stuff. Um, yeah. I actually have a funny story about Spade. Okay. So when I was, this is kind of bringing everything full circle. So yeah. when I was dating Bob and I'm still this way, I have, I cannot sit. I can't watch TV. I can't watch movies. Like I hate it. I hate sitting and like watching something. I have to be doing something. And so when I was dating Bob, I never wanted to watch movies. The only movie I would watch was, um, Joe dirt. <laughs> like that's it. Yeah. If you want to watch a movie? It's gotta be Joe dirt. So then it becomes like this joke in that I'm obsessed with Spade and David Spade and Bob and I go, um, to, um, God, what's the music festival at Del Mar racetrack? Oh, Kaboo. Uh, it's called Kaboo. Okay. okay. So this is like five years ago and we go to Kaboo and like, just by happenstance, like we're in Del Mar staying with friends and they're like, we're going to Kaboo, whatever. Okay. Yeah. VIP tickets were there. See Tom Petty like three days before he died. Love it. Great time. So we're pretty lit. And Bob <laughs> is like, the, the concerts are over whatever we're all leaving he's like oh my god like not very many people back in like the vip area he's like lex you're never gonna believe who's sitting on the picnic table right behind you and i'm just you know who he's like it's fucking spade I'm like, wow yes this is, you know and he's just like i can't believe this because neither of us like get starstruck or care but it's right. hilarious that like of course Joder, you know, David Spade yeah. is right behind you. Of course he is. And so I go talk to David Spade and he has, of course you do a little liquid courage right there or what? And I never go up to people, whatever. Yeah. I mean, well, and we're backstage. It's super mellow. Like, right. you know, no one's know fan, is, yeah. fanning out. I'm just like, what's up, yeah. dude? Yeah. He didn't care about me at all, but I thought that, that was funny. Like was just awesome. ironic, ironic that Amazing. all the stars lined. Yeah. Pretty funny. I, well, speaking of being lit and meeting a celebrity, I'll give you a story. And this is not a one up to you anyway. It's just being able to relate to you on this front is the fact that I was in, you know, okay. So in Orlando, uh, when I worked there, we went to, um, Toby Keith's bar and grill that they had opened up, uh, now where that big Ferris wheel is. I don't know yep. what, what's, I don't yep, know where the that, Orlando. I, yeah, the Orlando. I, so, drive. so that had just started. And so they, they had like little restaurants and they opened Toby Keith's bar and grill. And so we got as the country station, we got invited out and, couple people perform there, but we got to talking to the, uh, the general manager. And he's like, yeah, I just moved down here from New York. He goes, I used to run uh, Justin Timberlake's restaurant in New York city. You're like, Oh, that's cool. And I'm thinking to myself, like, why would you come down here <laughs> right. to do Toby Keys bar and grill? There's like 50 of these across right. the, and by the way, they all open up and close all open up and close. Like that's what happens. Toby Keith is, yep, yeah, Toby Keith is licensing his name out. He has nothing to do with the restaurant. So, right. uh, anyway, so we were talking to him and my boss at the time, and so fast forward to probably, I don't know, seven months later, uh, we are in um, New York City and we're doing this Luke Bryan um, album launch thing. And so we were at this hotel and we're like, hey, let's hit that Bryan guy up. Like he said that, doesn't he, didn't he say Timberlake's restaurant was like around here? You know, and we're kind of boozed up. And uh, so he goes, yeah, let's hit him up. So we text him and he goes, yeah, I'm working right now. And I go, well, where is it? And it's literally three blocks from us. So, no so we're like, all right, let's go check it out. So we go there and it's called the hunt and fish club. So if you're in New York city, definitely go check it out. It's really, really good. Um, cool. so, um, we go there and you walk in like, you know, New York, every, like every restaurant you go in, it's like, you gotta get to the door kind of, you know, it's like narrow and you get in there and then it kind of opens yes. up. It's just beautiful Bouncy. inside. Yeah. So it's beautiful inside. And there's like this little bar section and then the main dining room. So we're in the little bar section. He kind of like roped it off where it's like, yeah, I'm going to bring you everything out on the menu right now. And it, so he brings everything out. And we're trying everything. And then some other radio people come down and we're just, just hitting the drinks. So I go, Hey man, can I, uh, you know, 
use the restroom. He's like, yeah, it's over there. Uh, you got to go down those stairs. He goes, but just give me like five minutes. I'm like, what dude, I gotta, I gotta pee. Like, give me five minutes. Yeah, and he's what? like, just, just, just wait here. Okay. And I'm like, all right. So man, I'm waiting, waiting all of a sudden coming around the corner. Here comes Justin Timberlake. I don't, no way. And I'm not a starstruck guy either. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so what he has there is he has, if you go down the stairs by the restroom, there's a bunch of different uh, private meeting rooms. So he oh. was meeting with one of his old NSYNC managers and some other business partners. Cause I, I recognized his NSYNC manager from a documentary I, that it. I saw and uh, him coming out and me would normally not do this or go up to people. Just like you said about spade, I go Timberlake, just like that. <laughs> yeah. And, My man. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, <laughs> that's pretty much what I did. To yeah. And he's, like, and he's like, Hey man, you having fun? I'm like, Sure am. And it's just like, he just yeah. walked by into like, you know, a, a caravan of, of escalates or whatever it left. Right. And my, and the guy that got us in is like, dude, what are you doing, bro? And I'm like, I'm oh, sorry, man. It was just awesome. I, I watched a billion dollars walk past me. I had to say something, you know? Yeah. Whatever. It was, it was uh, one of those moments too. It's like, yeah, if I uh, probably was had the drinks down, maybe not so many, I would have probably not done that, but that's eh, yeah. a good story. What are you going to do? So where are you at now? Like, so like, what's the next move for you? Oh my God. Well, I have been, I'm insanely busy this fall. So yes. Thank you for making time for me, by the way. I know that you fit me in. So I really do appreciate that. Yes. I know it's been tough for us to link up. No, no um, so in the middle of filming destination Polaris going all over for that, going all over for made for the outdoors, obviously in the middle of football season. So Viking stuff going on. Um, I also work for the CW twin cities. So shoots, all the time for that. I also work for shop HQ, which is a home shopping network. So I'm uh -huh. on there slinging, uh, like, uh, outdoors gear and just like really fun stuff. It's a blast. Um, working the Fort Lauderdale boat show next week, which I'm stoked on. And then, you know, spent the summer wakeboarding and wake surfing and, yeah. and doing all kinds of fun stuff. So really just trying to stay busy, trying to stay out uh -huh. of trouble. Um, while always trying to, you know, advance my career, hone my skill and, and get better every single day. Cause I, I came into this industry with pretty much no, well, certainly zero training, but little experience. So it's yeah. been a blast. to you know, learn as I go and really, um, find my own, my own way of doing things and having, putting my own spin and flair and, and stuff on writing and, and, um, you know, producing and directing and all the things right. that I do. It's, it's pretty incredible. I mean, it, I, I mean, just your life story aside, just watching your career and, you know, I see it from 30,000 feet is, uh, you're very, very good. So keep that well, up for you. sure. Yeah. I mean, working in the media, I don't know if that means anything, but I work in the same industry and I think absolutely killing it. So I was really impressed by everything. And I really wanted to have you on the show because I think you're super talented. Well, I'm stoked to be here and it does mean something because obviously being in the industry, mm -hmm. you, you know, you can watch people with a critical eye and, yeah. and having, like I said, you know, a little experience when I started, it's, I do appreciate the feedback. You're kind of Aaron Andrews, Brooke Burke, all tied together. Uh, cause you do. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, that's great. I mean, it's, it's really cool. I mean, the diversity <laughs> of the things you do is you can do anything. I love it. I, I just think it's really exciting for you and I'm excited to see where you go. I mean, where you haven't been already. So it's, uh, is there someone that, is there someone that you do, is there an ultimate goal of like, Hey, I'd like to work and do this full time. If I could just do one thing. It's so hard. Uh, a lot of people ask to, yeah, what's your, like, what's the end game here? And mm -hmm. For me, I just never knew that I was going to be this busy with so many different things in television. Like, oh, yeah. this works. Now I should probably figure out what's next. Um, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to get off a winning horse, right? Mm -hmm. So like, I have so many amazing things going on right now. I want to make sure I'm doing those as well as I can. Right. Um, I'd love to be on, you know, the sidelines for Fox, mm -hmm. NFL on Fox. Um, that would probably, you know, be a major thing for me. Um, of course there are many hosting jobs. I did turn my TV on for the first time in six weeks last night. And I watched two episodes of top chef. Really? I'd love to host top chef. Are you a foodie? <laughs> so I'm coming for you, Padma. Oh yeah. I'd love to eat. Really? Oh God. Yeah. What's your go-to? 
I mean, I mean like, if you could pick a restaurant or pick a cuisine right now, what's, what is it? Sushi. All day. Yeah. Huh? yeah. You really sushi, are a fish for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you really are. love the water. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, I mean, there are many, you know, fun hosting jobs that yeah. if we're talking about like, what's the, the dream or like, what's mm-hmm. the goal, those would be it. But yeah, I mean, I love sports. I grew up absolutely loving football. So, uh, sticking around the NFL would be really fun for me. You're doing great. I love it. My mind was always a takeover for Letterman, but Colbert beat me to it. That was literally in my well, yearbook. Take over for him. Yeah, we'll figure it out. He, he'll get old at some point. See what exactly. happens. Just got to outlive him. Uh, listen, I appreciate you. Hey, plug your socials and your shows real quick because you need to, because uh, it's awesome. Sure. Cool. So uh, shows made for the outdoors is on Bally Sports as okay. well as Sportsman Channel. Destination Polaris is on Valley Sports Nationwide. Uh, CW Twin Cities, if you're local, Shop HQ, uh, if you want to do some home shopping. What are my other jobs? Obviously, watch the Vikings on Sunday, Skull, Baby. My co-host is a huge Vikings fan, and we always give her crap for not having a kicker, for you guys not having a kicker. And uh, it's a, it's a sore okay subject. Now. He's doing okay It's now. a sore subject, but I mean, <laughs> the past couple of weeks, like, all right, whatever. Yeah, here we go. I mean, there you are. Is, it's nuts, but, um, yeah, please wish us luck. If you're not a Vikings fan, if you are skull, um, and then check me out on social at Alexa score. Pretty simple. Uh, Instagram's my main channel. What a great sports name too, Alexa score. I know you got to score in sports to win. God, you're on fire. And it's, it's not a stage name. It's the real deal. No, your stage name is Cinnamon, you said, right? Before we started? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, a I'm whole messed. other podcast. Yeah, it's a different podcast. We'll get to that later. All right, hey, listen, thanks so much for your time today. You are um, very inspiring. You are very down to earth. Um, couldn't have been more uh, impressed with things that I saw before we talked and then now that we've talked. And uh, I hope we get to link up in person at some point. Stay in touch. Let's teach me it. how to uh, do my... 360 on my wake surf. I've got the boat. I know you were looking for one when you were in Orlando. I got one down here. Uh, so we can go out and have fun with that, but thank you so much, Alexa. You're awesome. You're awesome. Thanks so much for having me. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay. All right. (laughs) 